This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Give it to me! Hey, I'm Molly Wood. And I'm Tom Merritt. And welcome to It's a Thing, the weekly podcast supported by you, where the things are all around us and hashtag form on Met Gala Week and other weeks as well. They're all around us and we just pluck them out of the world, out of social media, out of restaurants, sometimes IRL life and sometimes just the internet. All for you, dear listeners. Thanks for joining us. Yep. I'm doing my research on the Met Gala. I'm not sure if I can accept the Met Gala yet, uh, but you know. I had a friend who uh, got the Met Gala and something bad <laughs> happened and to the private ex- parts. Extremely swollen so, uh, yeah. lips. L- mm-hmm, lips. Mm-hmm. Just stick yeah, with lips. I got extreme, like, extremely swollen art. Uh, art. So so <laughs> many so swollen art. <laughs> swollen bride. Man, I'm so yeah. disappointed. I love Nicki Minaj. Yeah. Wow. That one hurts. That one hurts. It does. And I'm just going to say that the internet ended up as a very confusing place as a result, too. Because, <laughs> like, all the sides all of a sudden switched Yeah. in that conversation. And, yes, this is, like, this is sort of like the Ur thing that's happening in the world right now that no one can ignore as much as you would like to. Because it's so, what the hell just happened? Yeah. To, to the point that it's been on the front page of the BBC for, like, three days. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which is which i'm gonna say is also kind of weird right like get a life bbc well but, you think that but it's like uh new pact in asia pacific life under taliban rule france suspends three thousand unvaccinated health workers trinidad criticizes Nicki minaj those are the top four <laughs> stories in the world right now. <laughs> to be fair it is pretty bonkers when someone of that stature is yeah. spreading so much misinformation that it, like the like country the rest is like of the story whoa, whoa, whoa. I get, yeah, my point was it's not like the rest of the stories are like, you know, celebrity gossip. It's, right. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah, um, it's a bananas world out there. Let's stick to the things. I want to start with a Manny adjacent thing. In fact, we even got an email from Manny to go with this. Um, it's something we've been circling around for a while. So, you know, sometimes we like to just confirm the thing, you know, mm-hmm. f- for, for the record. Um, the emoji gap. Uh, showed up as a story in the Wall Street <laughs> Journal in August. Uh, and that, that's what they call it, the emoji gap. Wait, did they call it that or did I call it? Maybe I called it that. Anyway, it's the gap between our understanding of what we think an emoji means and what other generations think an emoji means and, and or uh, what the appropriate emoji for a situation is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, we've, talk- this- we've talked about the uh, the skull used by Gen Z for, for laughing. Uh, you know, we've talked about the laughing while crying emoji sort of being disdained by Gen Z. Uh, I've taken, uh, on, on, I think your advice, Molly, that, that you gave from your son, uh, I've taken to using the, the cowboy hat emoji 
uh, from time to time to you know yep. give an awkward smile. And we talked about the upside down emoji last week, which is the whole like, oh, oh okay, apparently a signifier of who you are and how old you are. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm following. Uh, but uh, but it, it it's now f- for real. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's it's now fixed uh, as as a thing. Uh, not just the upside down, but the but the entire emoji gap. In fact, uh, Manny wrote in to say, "I want to let you guys into an inside joke thing that is everywhere, so you can be cool and in the know when it comes up." Chair emoji. You heard me right. Chair, like the thing you sit on. Chair emoji now equals laughing crying emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And Manny okay. says, uh-huh. like all things these days, it came from TikTok. Thing on. Of course it does. Wow. Thank God he told us that because no way in heck of a hell was I ever. I can see the skull, you know, with a grin as being the laughing emoji. Mm-hmm. I can absolutely mm-hmm. see the, the cowboy hat uh, as sort of the awkward like, okay. Like, I, I, I see that. The chair, man. I need the backstory on that, though. Yeah, we definitely need the backstory on that. And also, some, I'm, some you just sort of feel like Gen Z might occasionally be trying too hard. Like, is you're it, just trying to make it, us look silly, aren't you? I'm laughing so hard, I had to sit down. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Manny will eventually hit us up with the etymology of this, mm-hmm. if there is one. But thank you. And also, the emoji gap as a phrase for... The the obviousness of what generation you are based on what emojis you use is genius. I think I... Absolutely genius. If I stole it from somewhere, I don't remember where. It's not in the Wall Street Journal article, though. Nice. <laughs> then I'm giving it to you because yeah. that's amazing. It's like the generation gap, the emoji gap. Oh, my goodness. It totally is. That's the thing. That's what we have to call it from now on. Yeah. Like, I see you. I see you with your emoji gap because I'm not using the chair. I'm yeah. not doing it. We're trying to narrow the emoji gap as far as understanding, but usage, well, you got to draw your own lines. I know. I'm sorry. I love laugh or cry because that's exactly how old I am. I'm totally going to start using the chair though. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to, you know what? I am going to send the chair to my son though and just see what happens. <laughs> there you go. That's what you need like to a little, do. Yeah. Like a little Selective grenade usage, joke. Right. Just send him a chair and then have him be like, well, how do you know that? Yeah. As soon, as soon as he says something funny, you know, that you could, you could believably be laughing while, while crying chair Boom. oh i can't wait i can't wait to hear what what happens and then i'm gonna be like i crossed the emoji gap yeah and, he's and then when like, he goes Stop. what then you do a uh, cowboy hat emoji <laughs> the ca- i've never even seen that one i'm so fascinated by this <laughs> yeah i've been using that one a lot it's sort of like okay cool evolution I guess. yeah <laughs> i guess all right well my next thing, I looked everywhere to try to remember the name of the makeup influencer that made me go, wow, that's the third one I've seen. And therefore, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. However, I could not. But if you watched the Met Gala and if you've watched it over the last three years and if you've just seen like the red carpet of various shows, you will know that hot men in dresses is now an official thing. And it's not just like men wearing dresses, fine, or men wearing kilts. Mm. It's like, men wearing dresses who are really hot and then the dresses that they're wearing make them look even hotter. Like Harry Styles is, I think, the big example because he wore essentially like a dress and a romantic sort of see-through shirt thing to a Met Gala, I think. Billy Porter wore what was basically like a tuxedo top with a ball gown 
to, I think, the Oscars a few years ago. And then in the, at the Met Gala, there was this makeup YouTuber whose name I cannot remember because I'm just not good at details anymore in life. Sorry, everyone. Chair emoji. But <laughs> he just, it was like, uh, it was an off the shoulder gown. And so then he was like super muscly and it just looked amazing. I was like, what is the trend where not only are hot guys wearing dresses, but they're like looking better than ladies are like, they look so good in these hot man dresses. Well, here's the thing. I think clothing like this is very socially dependent. It's not naturally one thing or the other, right? We've assigned gender roles and so they're malleable given the right oomph behind them plus plus every time you see a guy in a dress usually especially like in a comic sense it's not a dress that was made for them right so of course they look goofy because you're not wearing the right size it wasn't tailored but it's a kilt have somebody who take or or yeah it's a kilt where it's like wow it's really it's kind of manly have somebody create a dress for you that's like no 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 we're going to we're going to use fashion knowledge to design a dress that makes you look good then you subvert that whole paradigm cuz it's like wow well, actually you know that that dress was made literally made for you looks great and like bam and then tom went and found trying to help me figure out who this influencer was though went and found a story from vogue from last month august 2021 about how post malone's stylist launched a line of house dresses basically for dudes like their dresses, but mostly they're just these kind of like awesome flannel house dresses that you could just wear around and be hella comfy and do stuff in. Yeah. Well, you know, pants, I I went down a, uh, a rabbit hole on trousers, Mm -hmm. um, pants, AKA trousers, uh, were made for women to ride horses. That, that's originally where they came from because it was considered unseemly for a woman to have like the toga skirt tunic whatever uh while on a horse uh and it's it's just it's just not good so they created pants but then the men started realizing like hey man these pants are kind of cool <laughs> and then you know over <laughs> centuries these here pants took it yep. over uh but but like skirt like clothing was the norm for everybody for the longest time fascinating well i'm delighted to see it come back first of all because men are looking great out here in their dresses and probably feeling hecka comfortable clearly based on like the post malone house dresses for dudes and it just mixes it up because as the discord was pointing out quite rightly there was also kind of an awesome backlash against all of the straight men just wearing their tuxedos and not even trying, mm-hmm. which I also love to see. So it's yeah. like, you know what? Like you can't what get away with just showing up. Come on. No, like just try, just wear try a, a little bit for goodness sake. Um, yeah. I, wouldn't it be amazing if like in 200 years, everybody's just wearing dresses. <laughs> Absolutely. Why wouldn't we be man <laughs> with pockets? See, it's the, it's, it's the merging. Yeah, totally. Oh, yes. Let and there'll be, be this weird, like, oh, back in the 20th and 21st century, people wore pants. It's mm-hmm. Weird time. Oh, my God. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, okay. I've got a thing that I have to credit to a friend of mine. Uh, and uh, it's kind of a secret thing. So I'm <gasps> not going to I'm not going to credit them by name, but they know who they are. Mm-hmm. 
uh, they coined the phrase white truck privilege, <laughs> which is a play on white privilege, of course, but it's not about race. It's about the fact that if you have a white truck, especially if you put an orange cone or two in the back, yeah, you can park anywhere. Like mm-hmm. no one will ticket you. Uh, in fact, this friend has has driven into a place that, where there was no parking in the white truck with the cones in the back and been waved into a spot by a police person, by police truck. And they're like, you should be fine there for for a while. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> Just assuming like my truck. I mean, of course, you're, right. you're working. It's the truck version of the clipboard. Exactly. Wear mm-hmm. a high vis vest and have a clipboard while you're driving the white truck, and you're like, forget it. Yeah, forget it. You can do anything. Yeah. You could take. You could walk out with the crown jewels, like yeah. no problem. People will be like, well, that's obviously a work truck. That's so funny because I was gonna say that I think that white truck uh, privilege applies to the thing where you're in the white work truck and you feel like you can drive however you damn want through my neighborhood. <laughs> Well, right, because they have white truck privilege. Because they have white truck. Seriously, like there's a thing that goes along with it too, which is like I'm in a white truck. I'm going to yeah. drive however I want and park. I can wherever park I wherever I want. Going out of my way. Get out of my. Does, I, don't you see I'm working here? Doesn't work for two tone. Doesn't. I don't know if it works for black trucks. There are some black yeah. work trucks out there. Not really. Though. Doesn't work for red trucks for sure. No. White trucks absolutely just, like a white Ford F one fifty. Yeah, white cars kind of disappear anyway. You kind of assume a white car is either mm-hmm. boring, uninteresting, or a work car, a fleet car. Yeah. Subconsciously. You may have never thought this consciously, but but you totally do, right? You it's catch like a yourself rental, next time yeah. when you're like, oh, white car, you ignore it. You don't see it. And the white truck particularly is like, oh, that and the cones in the back just seal the deal. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. I love it. And hilarious. And I love but it, like, I want to know more about the it's a secret thing thing. Well, it's, pers- it's a friend a of mine told who you, has a white truck the, driver. A, f- a friend yeah. of mine uh, and another two friends of mine, one previously had the white truck and a new another friend got a white truck. And then that friend shared the secret like, well, listen, since you have a white truck now, what you got to you got to do is take advantage of this and put some cones in the back. Uh, totally. And, yeah, it's a whole secret society. That is incredible. I absolutely love it. Um, all right. This, I guess this potentially could feel like a bit of a downer. So I'm going to try not to go that way. But I recently learned that the kids these days, I, I'm so, let me preface this by saying that I'm so amazed and impressed at the awareness, the ongoing awareness in the kids these days of mental health, mm-hmm. right? Of mm-hmm. issues of anxiety and depression and, dysmorphia and all of these things that come along with with growing up. They're very aware of it, but they're also increasingly understanding of the fine lines around these issues. And so I'm always amazed when, for example, my son says something like, oh, that sounds like a trauma dumper. Mm, And I go, what do you mean? And he says something along the lines of, oh, trauma dump. It's a phrase that we use when someone tries to monopolize the conversation or one up you with your pain or your frustration or whatever, or just makes the entire room uncomfortable and potentially traumatizes you by dumping all their trauma on you. 
Oh, what a great, what a great phrase. This is, this is the beauty of language. When a phrase encapsulates a thing you've known existed forever, but didn't have a word right. for it. Exactly. And I really, I do think that at least half of the time, if not more, the, the, the special sauce that takes a thing from a, an, an amorphous happening in the world into the category of thing is assigning it the proper name. Yeah. And this is exactly that. And then I looked at, it seems like it's been around for a while. And I think it came out of like actually a feminist writer who brought it up, but now it's been used pretty broadly. And there are all these articles that are like the fine line between venting and trauma dumping Mm -hmm. and you know, why trauma dumping isn't the humor you think it is, or are you exhausting your friends by trauma dumping as a result of, and, and then like not being sympathetic to the friend, right? It's like a one up. Yeah, the fine line between venting and trauma dumping, that's important because there is a thing between friends uh, where you both vent and you feel mm-hmm. better, right? Definitely. And and so there's a fine line between like, oh my God, this horrible thing happened. And then the other person like, oh my God, that's awful. I also had this horrible thing. And then you say like, oh my gosh, that's awful. There's a, there's a little sympathy going back and forth mm-hmm. versus what I assume is trauma dumping, which is, man, I had this awful day. Oh, really? Well, my day was worse. Where you're not validating, you're not letting the other person, you know, be like, oh my gosh, that does sound horrible. I too have had similar experiences. Let me share mine. That's venting. Mm -hmm. That's healthy. Trauma dumping is like, oh, really? (laughs) Well, how about this? (laughs) Like, (gasps) yeah. Not with with saying the oh, really, but, but not giving the other person the, the sort of energy they need to be like, oh my gosh, yeah, that sucks. You know, you, yep. it, and I, I, I know Those what you three mean. Three little words. Yeah. yeah, that sucks. You need that, you need that bit of like, boom, ba boom, ba boom. Okay. Well, now it's my turn, you know, and I also would like your help in helping me get this off my, my chest. That's healthy. But just like, mm-hmm. oh, you don't even know. <laughs> and then there's even, and it doesn't, and it's interesting because they're right. Like I love the fact that, that the, the kids are apparently identifying a trauma dump as a thing that can overwhelm your feelings and in, invalidate your feelings. And then also just like that friend that everybody has. So psychology today is like venting, you know, feels healthy and sticks to one topic and uh-huh. there's no victimizing and show accountability for your part. Like, eh, I probably do this, but I wish I had, you're open to solutions. Dumping is like toxic. Yeah. Overwhelms you with the issues, blames other people, repeats the same thing over and over, goes oh, on and repeat on. Repeat the same thing over and over. Yeah. Never that's a, that's open a big to salute. Like we all have, and people do it at various points in their life when they're mm-hmm. in different kinds of pain. And then there's just this sort of like ongoing thing, which is so interesting. And then because these, because people are so sensitive now, they're also not now. I mean, I think they were too. Psychiatrists are writing about this in psychology today. There's this understanding that it's actually self-care not to let a person do that to you. Yeah. Yeah. Which I also find so nuanced and smart. That's that's incredibly smart. You're right. I because trauma dumping is a sign something's wrong. Right. And so you shouldn't let it affect you, you know, for first first thing in taking care of others is taking care of yourself. And then you shouldn't let the other person continue with it because it's not the healthy venting anymore. Right. It's Maybe a a cry for help. Maybe it's something else. But you want to be like, hey, do you realize you're trauma dumping, right? Yeah. And and every one of us has been in a situation where we felt guilty 
because we were like, I just can't listen to this person anymore. Yeah. Or like, I just, you know, it's like, look, if you're not going to try to solve this, then you can't keep calling me and saying the same thing over and over and over. Right. And that's the power but, of the name is you now can be like, oh, there's a difference between venting and trauma dumping. I feel totally. bad if, I, if I'm not letting someone vent, but I don't have to feel bad if it's become trauma dumping. Mm-hmm. I love this. This is this is a really like, good one. I love this. I feel so empowered by this. I'm like, this isn't a thank you again, my child, for imparting w- true wisdom yeah, good into stuff. relationships. And also, I just sort of love the idea that 14 and 15 year olds are 15 year olds are out here like so emotionally intelligent that they're just like, ugh, seems like a trauma dumper. Well, that that's what should happen, right? Man. Every generation yes. should be picking up the 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 ball and going, Well, there you know, there here's a problem. It doesn't mean the generation before it was incompetent. We tend to to fall into that of like, oh, that that other generation sucked because they didn't fix everything about the world. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> right. They fixed some stuff and that's all they could do is they fixed that stuff. So there's still stuff to fix, and now it's your turn to identify it, and here's one of them. That's great. I love that. Yep. Absolutely amazing. Uh tell us what you think. And if you have a trauma dumper in your life, feedback at it's a thing dot me is where you can reach us. You can obviously also just write to us on lighter topics. But having peeked ahead at our feedback today, I'm very excited to feel totally validated by Christopher. <laughs> yes, Christopher needs in. a thing check. You got this one? I'll take this one. This is amazing. Christopher writes in with a thing check. Okay, so I'm not well plugged into the fashion trends of the day, except for, of course, for cozy. So is the exercise dress, excuse me, the capital E, capital D exercise dress a thing? I first encountered this item of clothing from this Vox article. I can see the utility in such a garment, though my own dress wearing has been limited to strategically intoxicated occasions, so I can claim no expertise. While the thingness score of the exercise dress is a matter of great importance, the more interesting thing is the commentary buried in the middle of the Vox article talking about the way in which thingness is often manufactured and the sometimes complex nature of the connections between brands and influencers. I'd be interested to hear your commentary on that part of this thing check. Christopher and Skokie, who wishes that he could rock a dress better, but thinks the full salt and pepper beard would be dissonant, perhaps when we can finally have the it's a thing party. Well, first of all, Christopher, if you get the right dressmaker who plays into the salt and pepper beard, what? it'll look great. <laughs> Seriously. Turns out you just need it to be tailored. <laughs> yeah. You just need the right tailor. Uh, but yeah, what do you That's think hilarious. of this idea that things are manufactured? Because they absolutely are, but I don't think that makes them less of a thing. Because not everything hits, right? right? Like you can try to manufacture all you want, but if it doesn't take off, then it's, then it's not a thing. Then your just, marketing budget has been wasted. Right. Just the manufacturing doesn't make it a thing. It has. If you manufacture a thing, you also have to get the public to catch on to it. Yeah. And anybody who's tried to make something go viral knows that's harder than it sounds. What was, there was a country in the Olympics. Okay. So first of all, in this case, uh, the question about workout dresses or exercise dresses is these all appear to be women's dresses and they're basically like a version of the tennis dress. It looks like, yeah, which they are saying it's the subtle yet sporty girl boss uniform of the summer. Mm-hmm. According to Vox, if that's true, I'm delighted because compared to bike shorts, this is obviously way better. But this is also reminding me that there was an Olympic, there was a country whose Olympic team also had these incredible outfits that were very, very like gender bending. Like some of them were off the shoulder and some of them were long. Mm. Uh, 
Of course, I can't remember. I will try to find it. Um, but yeah, Christopher, apparently all the dresses are a thing. I'm <laughs> yeah, giving it to you. For sure. <laughs> uh, Matt O has a possible extension of the Nordstrom local thing. Uh, wrote, hi, Molly and Tom. Regarding the trend of smaller versions of bigger stores, have you heard that Ulta and Disney stores are closing a few stores and moving inventory to departments of Target. This is not exactly the same as your examples used in the most recent episode 179, but there are bound to be more specialty stores moving into larger big box stores. USA Today had a story on closing Disney stores and CNBC store story on Ulta mini stores in Targets. That is a good one, Matt, because that's been going on for a while in tech where... Like Microsoft closed some Microsoft stores, but expanded the number of Microsoft areas within Best Buy. And I think that's becoming a, a, a trend, not just in technology and elect- consumer electronics, but having an area in the store where you can be like, we don't want to necessarily have our own stores out there, but we want to control the brand experience within a small footprint within the bigger store. Interesting. And makes sense, honestly, as a sort of consolidation of retail type thing. Yeah, SCW Lung, it's it's exactly like Nespresso if you're in a Bloomingdale's or, or yeah. something like that, where you go to that Nespresso area and they have their own Actually, staff and everything. You know who probably brought this upon all of us is Apple. Because Apple started creating its own little like branded universes in yeah. like Best Buy. Like if you go into Best Buy now... I mean, obviously, there's the Apple Store, but if you go into a Best Buy and you go to the Apple section, I'm it's trying like to remember when a little baby they Apple had store. those before the Apple stores or after, and I kind of think they had them after. Who? Apple. Oh, Apple? I think Apple oh, had yeah, their yeah. Apple stores first, and then did they the did. Best Buy areas later. They yeah, definitely yeah. did. I just wonder if that's what helped encourage yeah, things is that like right? the, the Disney. Because yeah, then that makes perfect sense to me. Is that Apple's like, oh, we have our stores; these work great. Well, let's conquer more areas. <laughs> Right. But make it like branded as heck. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. Just bring in our own little like laminated signs and things like that. So All right. Think Ad Porter, sure. Apple did that in Sears back when, when Gil Emilio was also the CEO. But ah. <laughs> everything is a cycle. Good point. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and yes, Afi James totally agrees with me. Um, and then finally, Australian of note, Lee Price writes in on a font thing. It seems the font Nimbus Sans Extended, especially in all caps, is everywhere now. The penny dropped for me when I saw the relaunched logo of Gawker.com and realized I've been seeing this font everywhere lately. It's brutalism, but for Gen Z brands. Speaking of fonts, the clothing style trend of the 70s, but reinterpreted by the 90s, but it's in 2021, seems to be extending into the land of typography, too. Load up the Burger King website and check out the typography as a prime example. I was going to make a font-based joke here, but I just wasn't feeling very bold. Ah! <laughs> You're such Perhaps a this comic is where, right, sans <laughs> the funny part. <laughs> oh, my God. Brutal. <laughs> Perhaps, uh, writes Lee, this is where you introduce a Patreon detractor level, which requires supporters who send in puns to donate an additional amount of them and be on the shadow level. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I think Tom's here for it. I think think Tom's Tom's fine with it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you're right. That Burger King website is totally 70s through a 90s prism. And and I remember, I think I've told the story on It's a Thing before, but I was an intern at National Public Radio's Morning Edition in, uh, in 1993. 
And I remember them asking us, like, why are you bringing back the 70s? Why is your generation bringing back the 70s? We're so glad we left that behind. And I was like, because thrift shops, that's the only (laughs) clothing we can afford people. Come on. (laughs) Seriously. Also, wow, I cannot believe how 70s the Burger King website is. Right? Yeah. Dang, I want to get a Trans Am, like, right now. Wow, fascinating. Also, I'm impressed. Burger Chef. Like, who's out here recognizing fonts by name? Yeah, well done, Lee Price. Good stuff. Well done, Lee Price. High level thingery right there. Mm hmm. THD material for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> our shout outs this week uh, are short, but they are packed. They are packed with punch. <laughs> Because so the shout outs for our top level patrons, and if you're you're going to be jealous that you're not a shop, top level patron when you hear these, are based on the titles of James Bond films in any order that would get you to angrily share this as clickbait. <laughs> you know, that was smart, Producer Rich. That was real smart because you can you can try it with Star Trek and you're already courting danger, but phew, James Bond. Yeah. Nobody wants to make that ranked list. Especially if you put Sean Connery, like, not in the top five. Any for. order. It's any It's any order, yeah. as long as it annoys you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, shall <laughs> we begin? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. From Benjamin Forrest with love. A view to a Kevin Sill. The Jake Woods with a golden gun. On her Gabriel Cohen's Secret Service. Joe Hood of Solace. Louis Saint Amour is not enough. Oh, God, so good. The Mike Akins who loved me. Never say Eric Duncan again. <laughs> Octo Lee Price. <laughs> <laughs> and by the this way, this is a work of art. We will say Eric Duncan again. <laughs> we, we will we will as long as he stays a, a shout out level patron he will definitely get shouted out again but wow man sometimes sometimes the simplest is the best although nothing was simple about this this is some art art <gasps> nice good Doctor save good James save C. Smith. Doctor. James C. Smith. For James C. Smith's eyes only. James C. Smith Raker. He's getting, he's just getting a bunch of extra. I love it. It it started to be too fun. Keep them coming. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, Folks. James C. Smith Raker. Okay. Sorry. We can move on. Smith. James C. Smith. Thank you, Alfie James. That's great. Oh, amazing. Thank you everyone for listening to It's a Thing for supporting us at patreon.com slash it's a thing. We're so grateful for your membership. Hopefully you enjoy the bonus content and hanging out with us in the Discord every week. Don't forget to email your things. Put it on your list. Do it by next time. Feedback at it's a thing.me. Bye. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. 
and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.